0: Well, thank you, David. Pre- appreciate that prayer. We do need God's help to uh, help us understand these things to the f- fullness. And one of the things I really want to do in life—I mean, this is really like one of my life passions—is to help people understand and experience uh, all that Jesus accomplished for us at the cross. Jesus died to bring us into a new and overwhelmingly better relationship with God, and this is called the new covenant. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Over and over again, the Bible tells us the new covenant is much better than the old one. It has much more glory. It does things for us the old agreement could never do. The old covenant condemned us for our unrighteousness. The new brings righteousness to us. The new pronounces us righteous and then powerfully works within us to make us righteous. The new covenant is the ultimate solution to human rebellion. Under the new covenant, the spirit of Christ is poured into our hearts and we are made new people. Hebrews 7, 18 says, Because it was weak and ineffective, the former commandment has been set aside since the law made nothing perfect. And now a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. The better hope comes through Jesus himself. Verse 22 of chapter 7 says, In this way, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. And this better covenant is detailed for us in Hebrews chapter 8, which David just read for us. And the the key elements of it are, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. They shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. And yet, even though the Bible says the New Covenant is much better and does much better things for us. In reality, it seems many people in the church struggle and fail just as much as those under the Old Covenant law. Andrew Murray saw this and he gave this reason for it. With most Christians... There is not even the intellectual belief that God means His new covenant promise literally. I don't like to repeat things, but I'm going to repeat that for you. It's from Andrew, Andrew Murray. With most Christians, there is not even the intellectual belief that God means His new covenant promise literally. They are so sure that their views of the necessity of always sinning are correct, that the teaching of God's word in regard to the new covenant can never even enter their mind. Of course, we all stumble in many ways. We don't reach full perfection here yet. But the new covenant comes to us with such life and such power that it makes dramatic, substantial, major changes in our life so that we become new people, a new creation. And I want us to experience all the freedom from sin and self, all the joy, all the power and all the glory of the new covenant that we can have in this life. And that happens first by knowing what the new covenant promises and then actually believing in it as we go through the drama of life. So there's, there's this body of information. We have to know what God has accomplished, what He's done for us. We have to re- receive, believe that, receive that, and then we have to, to walk it out. We have to live it out in just the ups and downs, the rough and tumble of everyday life. We need to cling on to these things, to latch on to them, to live by them in the midst of life. The new covenant is nothing less than God's full answer to all that is wrong with us. It is God's answer to all that is sinful and broken about us. It is God restoring all that we lost at the fall. Now, I'm going to go into a little bit bigger picture of human history that the Bible gives us. And I think it's really important for us to have this, have this big picture The Bible tells us that human beings started out in a better place than we find ourselves now. God created Adam and Eve in his own image, and he put them in a garden called Eden. And everything was beautiful and blessed in that garden. They had free and open fellowship with God and with each other. Nothing was a problem. There was nothing dark or troubling or painful. There was no sin or rebellion. There was no guilt. There was no shame, no hatred, no sense that things were not right. But all that changed when Adam sinned. That changed everything about him and that changed everything about us, the descendants of Adam. Paul says in Romans 5, sin came into the world and all, and we all sinned. So we came into this world estranged from God. We came into this world with, with a bent toward going our own way instead of God's way. Something was desperately wrong with us. Something was desperately wrong with our hearts. We were born into the world flawed and fallen and broken. I read a a book on our trip by a man named Dick Staub. I'd never heard of him before, but he was a grandson of a man who was a close associate of A.B. Simpson. And when we were in New York, we were very close to where the gospel tabernacle was that A.B. Simpson ministered. Anyway, Dick Staub in this book wrote, Everything is supposed to be different than what it is. I like that. Everything is supposed to be different than what it is. There is the way God intended life to be and the devastatingly diminished life we live on earth now. We feel alone because we are alienated from God, ourself, each other, and the earth itself. Created for intimacy with God, and once at ease and fulfilled in god 's presence human human beings are now filled with dread in god 's presence and I think just that from our own personal experience and and what we see in the in people 's lives around us, I think we intuitively know that something is wrong with us. we intuitively know we were made for something more than we experience in this life we Sense that we were made to be better people than we are. Uh, we might not understand that things are the way they are because of Adam's sin, but yet we have all experienced the effects of being dead in our trespasses and sins. And so the new covenant is God's solution to all of that. The new covenant is all about undoing Adam. Undoing our situation in Adam. Undoing all the brokenness that came as a result of the fall in the garden. The new covenant is God's way to release us from the catastrophe of Adam's rebellion and fall. We were alienated from God, hostile to God, indifferent to God. And through Jesus, we are brought near to God. We are made friends of God, and we are transformed into people who love God, holy, unblemished, and blameless in his presence, Paul tells us in Colossians. So what God offers us in Jesus, and Jesus Himself is the guarantor of the new covenant. So we're talking about what, what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. We're talking about this new agreement, the new covenant. And what God offers us in Jesus is like a total cure for terminal cancer. It goes to the core of our problem with sin. Jesus died to cover, to pay for, to forgive our sins. It goes to the core of our estrangement from God. He reconciled us to himself in Christ. It offers us a salvation in Jesus, through Jesus, that fixes us, that redeems us, that heals us. The picture of the Bible is that all of humanity is sick and needs to get well. We needed new hearts, and that is exactly what God gave us in the New Covenant. So when we talk about the New Covenant... We, we are not just talking about a theological concept. This is not just a thing that we talk about in church. When we talk about the New Covenant, we are talking about the answer to the universe. When we talk about the New Covenant, we are talking about the answer to all that is wrong with all of us, with every human being. I mean, the, the new covenant is God's total solution for mankind. Jesus Christ coming, when he did, at the fullness of time, as, the, as Paul says, when he came, at that moment, when he was crucified, buried, and raised, when he ascended to heaven, when he poured out his Spirit upon us, all of that is, is this new covenant, and that is God's total solution for the universe. So in Hebrews 8, we're given four core blessings of the New Covenant. I'm going to repeat these for us, and actually I'm going to do it a couple times throughout this message. First, God has placed in our hearts, or personalize it, in your heart, the desire and the power to live for Him. The external laws of God, the laws themselves were good, but our hearts couldn't keep them. But now in the new covenant, God has written his law in our minds and upon our hearts. And so we respond to God. We, we are able to respond to God. We're able to say yes to God. We have the, 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 the desire and the power to say yes to God because of his work in us through Jesus and through the new covenant. Second, God has brought us near to him. We were estranged. We were separated. We were far, we were far off. God has brought us near to him. He has committed himself to us. He has committed himself to an intimate relationship with us. He says says to us, I will be your God, and you will be my people. That's the terms of the new, new covenant. He is ours. We can say, my God. David said, this I know that God is for me. We can say that because He is our God. We belong to Him. We are His people. We are in His loving care. The Psalms say we are the people of His pasture. We, we belong to Him. We're his. we're his. We're His people. We're His kids. We're His children. He's brought us that near to us. Third, we have been given first-hand experience of God. The writer of Hebrews says, we don't have to have somebody else tell us, well, here's what it's like to know God. No, it says, they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. We are each one given the gift of personally knowing God. I mean, what an amazing thing. You can know God. Fourth, God has said, I will be merciful regarding their wrong deeds or their iniquities, and I will never again remember their sins. Through the blood of Jesus, through the blood of the new covenant, God will never remember your sins against you. He relates to you through the new covenant as if we had never sinned. Now, this morning... We're going to talk in depth about the first promise of the New Covenant from this passage, the internal desire and power to live for God. I, I actually started out this message with the intent to cover all four of of the blessings of the New Covenant. Then I narrowed it down to two. I was going to do two this week and two next week. And then I got to the point just yesterday where I said, it's only one. <laughs> it's only one. So you're going to have to come back future Sundays to uh, to to cover more of these, but I'm I'm telling you, these are such incredible, glorious blessings that we've been that have been provided for us, that we have been brought into in Jesus. That I I just I pray I I, I pray to God. I love David's prayer this morning. We we need revelation, and I, that's what I'm praying. I've been praying that all week that God would just open up your heart so that the, the truths of the new co- the new covenant message, the blessings of the new covenant would just sink into your hearts and ignite them like fire. That it would just come into your being and thrill your soul and do something deep inside you. So, here we go. This morning we're going to talk about the first one. I will put my law into their minds and write them in or on their hearts. The new covenant solves the problem of hearts that are prone to sin. The New Covenant solves the problem of human rebellion. It solves the problem of hearts that are prone to sin. Thank God. Christ did not come to just wallpaper over our sins, but leave us sinners. The New Covenant is a complete salvation. He blots out our sins. That's one of the blessings of the New Covenant. He blots out our sins. He says He will never again remember our sins. But he not only blots out our sins, he frees us from our bondage to sinning. He frees us from our bondage to sinning by giving us a new heart, by writing his will, his desires upon our heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said, God's will or God's way or God's law is written not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Isn't that a beautiful statement? God... God, we know how you wrote the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. And in the New Covenant, God's writing on your heart. It's that personal. It's that intimate. It's that direct to you. God is writing his desires, his will for you on your heart. You show, in that passage it goes on to say, you show that you are a letter from Christ. You are a letter from Christ. I mean, Christ is just written all over your life. And you're just like this letter of Jesus to everybody. What a beautiful word picture. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. In the old covenant, the law was written into stone tablets, and the Holy Spirit strove with the people to keep the law, but they constantly rebelled. In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit is writing His laws right into our hearts. Commentator, uh, well-known commentator F.F. Bruce said, What was needed was a new nature, a heart liberated from its bondage to sin, a heart which not only spontaneously knew and loved the will of God, but had the power to do it. And that's exactly what God promises us in the New Covenant. The changes that have taken place in you, the changes that are taking place in you are from the Holy Spirit writing upon your heart. From the Holy Spirit moving and stirring in your heart and taking you to new places, to new ways of living that please God and freeing you from the the sickness, from the brokenness, from the fallen, sinful old person you used to be. A pastor by the name of of Jesse Johnson said, "Uh, Moses had an uphill battle with the Israelites. Comparatively speaking, pastors have it easy. Our work is done by the Holy Spirit himself. And there's something I like about that. There's a lot of truth in that. Our job is mainly... To introduce you to the Holy Spirit and call you to live in the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. And through that experience, through that direct encounter with God, through God writing His laws upon your heart by the Holy Spirit, you will be transformed into a living expression of Jesus Christ. Or, as Paul says, a living letter of Jesus Christ. I can't make you a living letter of Jesus. I'd I'd like to. I can't make you a living letter of Jesus. No pastor can do that. There's no counselor that can do that. Only God can do that. And it's promised as a part of the new covenant. Paul said there's nothing in us, this is, I can't remember what translation this is from, uh, but I thought it put it really well. Paul went on to say in the same passage in, in 2 Corinthians 2, uh, there is nothing in us that allows us to claim that we are capable of doing this work. The capacity we have comes from God. It is He who made us capable of serving the new covenant, which consists not of a written law, but of the Spirit. The written law brings death, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. That's the covenant that we're we're a part of. And I don't I don't want to repeat something that you maybe just obviously know, but we are called to something that is life and life-giving. We're we're called we're called into direct contact with the spirit who gives life. And as, as soon as the, our understanding of the Christian life becomes really something other than that or something less than that, we're, we're, we're living a, a, a diminished or maybe a, a partial uh, Christian experience. New Covenant ministry is not merely telling people to get their act together. Um, it is not merely re- relaying information or a list of things to do. It is not just giving people a kick in the pants and say, you'd better do this. It is bringing people. New Covenant ministry is bringing people into direct contact with the Spirit of the living God. Of course, it's through through Jesus. It's through the covenant that Jesus inaugurated. But bringing people through Jesus into direct contact with the Spirit of the living God. And He writes on our hearts so that we become a living letter or a living expression of of Jesus. And that's that's the beauty and the glory of the new covenant. It's a living thing. There there's 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 reality, there's life, there's power. You know, we talk a lot in Christian circles, I think, and I'm kind of going off script here and I know I don't have a lot of time, so I'll be try to be real careful here, but we talk a lot in Christian about our identity in Christ. And I, th- I think that's really an important concept that kind of we are who he says we are. But there's more to it than just being something because he says we are. There is actual power. There is actual power that is transferred into us through the new covenant and through Jesus. There is actual life that is in us by the Spirit. So it's not not like we're really only or merely identifying with something or some description of us. You know what I'm saying? There's life there. It's a real thing that God comes and writes on the tablets of our hearts. And He's doing that. A.B. Simpson said, He puts us He puts in us the nature, the principle, and the disposition to obey. He makes his law the law of our being, and we as naturally follow it as a material body falls to the ground by the law of gravity. Or as an acorn develops into an oak because the law of the oak is in the heart of the acorn. So he puts his will into our heart as the new impulse of our nature, and it becomes second nature for us to love it, to will it, and to do it. That is the power of the new birth. That is the power. And I, you know, sometimes I think we're trying to get a lot of people who haven't experienced the new birth to do these things. And so we are just giving them a kick in the pants. We are just giving them a list and say, here's what you need to do, here's what you need to stop doing. But what we really need is to bring people into an encounter with this new covenant inaugurated by Jesus, this new and better hope by which we draw near to God. And when we, when people really get in contact, genuinely with the new life, with the life that Jesus died, the, the life that Jesus bought and paid for us to have, then. It does become second nature because that is we are born of God and it becomes our nature to love the things of God, to will it and to do it, as he said. F.B. Meyer said, Christianity is not a creed, not a formula, not a ritual, but a life. It is a life begun by the Holy Spirit, a real life. He called it the germ of Christ. I like that. The germ of Christ. His life planted in our spirits to rise up in the majesty of Christ's likeness. A bird's life must always express itself through its song, its nest building, and its care for its young. And if a man is truly enjoying the life of God in his soul, that life, that life of God must rise up in every word he speaks, in every look of his eyes, in every movement of his nature. I do not say that he will always be talking about God, but the divine life will express itself in his laughter and in every movement of his life. Ezekiel, prophet Ezekiel, 30, chapter 36, 26 and 27. The Lord says, "I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone." And give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you. And move you to follow my decrees. And to be careful to keep my laws. And that's basically what the author of Hebrews is saying. Is this first blessing or benefit of the new covenant. Hebrews 13. uh, 21 I believe it is. One of my I know I say this about a lot of verses, but it's one. It actually, is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And the kind of Reader's Digest version of that verse is, "May God Himself." You know, listen to this. May God Himself equip you in every good thing to do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. Okay. Whenever I, whenever I just feel like, hey. I don't, I don't know if I can keep going on or if I'm, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing uh, in ministry or life or whatever. I just say, God, equip me in every, every, not just a couple things, but equip me in every good thing to do your will, working in me that which is pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ. And I find immense comfort and peace in believing that and trusting in that. And so, so we, it's, 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 it's working for God. It's loving God. It's serving people. It's, 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 it's serving the Lord, but f- from this immense place of rest, knowing that God is at work in me, in you, equipping you and me to do his will, working in us those very things that will please him, those things that are pleasing in his sight. The birth of God inside us is something incredibly powerful. And we, we neglect that truth or, or we or we underbelieve it, let me say. I think we probably all, all agree with it, but but I I think we, we underbelieve it or disbelieve it to our spiritual detriment. The Apostle John said, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed. It kind of reminds you of what F.B. Meyer said about the seed of Christ or the germ of Christ within us. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he'd been born of God. And I like to say, this, is, this verse is not a threat but a promise. It's a promise. If you're born of God, you just can't keep on sinning, because something so powerful has taken place. God has come to dwell in you. The seed of God is in you. His spirit is in you, writing God's will, writing on your heart continually what pleases God. It's a statement of the reality and the power of what God has planted inside of us. The continual inspiration and working of God's spirit in our heart and upon our heart is the very essence of being a Christian Paul said, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Just walk by the Spirit and you won't do the, the wrong stuff that you've been doing. Okay, Just walk by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will produce what you need, the goodness, the compassion, along with the joy and peace. There's, there's no law that can do that. There is no rule or no law that can, that can make you be happy, that can make you be joyful, that can make you be good. There's no law that could do that. Only the Holy Spirit can produce, produce these kinds of fruit. And Paul said that in Romans 8, what the law could not do, God did. I love that phrase. What the law could not do, God did in sending his Son so that the law of God is fulfilled in us who walk according to the Spirit, of one translation says, whose lives are directed by the Spirit. Uh, there's an author by the name of uh, Rankin Wilborn who's written a book uh, called Union with Christ, which is very good. And he's also written another one called The Cross Before Us. And in that book he says, when temptation comes, you can say, that's not who I am anymore. I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. You can say, when temptation comes, you can say, God has written his laws on my heart, and I want to do his will, not this thing that I'm tempted to do. You, you identify, you um, commit yourself, you, you, you give yourself over to this new work of God within you. Paul said to consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. And this, this, is, this is so important for, for all of us. You're to think about yourself as someone who has died to sin, and therefore freed from sin, and as a person whose heart is now fully alive to God. That's, that's how we're supposed to think about ourselves. We're, we're to consider ourselves that way, to realize that we think about ourselves as dead to sin, freed from sin through, through our union with Christ and fully alive to God. And then one more A.B. Simpson quote, which I think is re- really good in this. It's from his Days of Heaven on Earth. Uh, when your old self comes back, if you listen to it, fear it, believe it it will have the same influence upon you as if it were not dead it will control you and destroy you but if you will ignore it and say you are not I but Satan trying to make me believe that the old self is not dead I refuse you this here's how you deal with sin okay just listen here's how you deal with sin I refuse you I treat you as a demon power outside of me. I detach myself from you. You are nothing to me. You have no power over me. I have renounced you in the name of Jesus. I bid you hence. And he says, lo, the evil thing will disappear and the shadow will vanish. That's, that's, how, that's how we deal with sin. Why? Because, not because we're trying to pretend something that isn't true, but because of the power of God within us because of the new covenant, because of the new birth, because of the Holy Spirit writing God's will and His desires on our heart, because of who we are in Christ, when temptation, when sin comes along, we, 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 real, we know who we are. We know what's going on inside us. And so we, we, we renounce, we repudiate, we turn away from sin and temptation in the name of Jesus. So, in closing this morning, my final exhortation is this Saturate your heart with the glories of the new covenant. S- just, just allow these these truths, these blessings to really become precious to you. Allow them to be things that, that you you think about. We should we should know the truths of the new covenant, and I'm not saying they're only expounded here in Hebrews. I mean, there, these blessings are all throughout the, the, new, the new Testament. But, but here, here these blessings are specifically spelled out, put all together, and we are specifically told that these are blessings of the New Covenant. And we should know these backwards and forwards. We should cling to them by faith. Uh, even when, uh, when we're, our, our feelings are way out of whack, when we're tempted, uh, when we're downcast, when we're discouraged with ourselves, we should cling to these promises. And I'm just going to read I'm going to take time to review them for you one more time. First, God has placed in our hearts the desire and a power to live for him. God has written his laws in our hearts and upon in, in our minds and upon our hearts. And so we just we just say totally yes to God. In His ways and His will. Secondly, God has brought us near to Him. He has committed Himself to us in an intimate relationship. He's committed Himself to be in an intimate relationship with you. He said, "I will be your God, and you will be My people." We belong to Him. We're in His loving care. Number three, we've given, we've been given firsthand personal experience of God. They shall all know me from the least to the greatest. We are each one given the gift of personally knowing God. I remember hearing someone's salvation story and their testimony of how they were saved. They said, the first thing that I felt after I gave my heart to Jesus, I felt this intimacy with God that I'd never known in my life before. We were given the gift of personally knowing God. And then God has said, I will be merciful regarding their long, wrong deeds. I will never again remember their sins. And through the blood of Jesus, God will never remember your sins against you. He relates to you through Jesus as if you had never sinned. And so these are things that we we need to know, we need to focus on, we need to meditate. And upon actually believing them for yourself. You know, the, the problem that... Uh, Paul addressed with the Hebrews, or 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 with uh, to the Hebrews about the children of Israel. um, He said their problem was that they they had these great promises of God, but they didn't mix them with faith. They didn't they didn't unite their hearts to these truths with faith. And so, as you know, as wonderful and glorious as as these things are, you can you can go home and be bummed out all all week long. You can. And you will probably or at least in some measure you're not going to live in the glory of these unless you unless you really attach your heart to these by faith and live we believe them and then we just live in overflowing gratitude all the time of these unspeakable privileges that Jesus purchased for us by his blood just Again, there's there's a verse in Colossians I don't know where it is, but it talks of the phrase overflowing with gratitude. I love that. That's, I mean, that's how we're supposed to live. We're so blessed, we are, and so we just we just we go, we go around, we walk around in life, in our homes, um, at our work, maybe at school, when we're out exercising, whatever. We just we just overflow with gratitude because of. The revelation of God, what God has done for us, and I pray that we would have have such a clear, powerful, um, just razor sharp insight into these blessings that we would just bless the Lord with all of our heart and with all of our soul. Let's stand up this morning. I believe with all my heart that God wants us to not only hear His word but respond to it, and so. I'm just going to ask you to, to respond to God and his word this morning. And first, uh, I, first I think we, we have to ask ourselves the question, um, have I come into these blessings of the new covenant by repenting of my sins and placing my faith in Jesus? I mean, have, I, have I really come to Jesus as this better way to draw near to God? And perhaps there's someone, maybe more than one person here this morning, who yes I you know I've heard a lot about these great things but I don't really know that I've ever really experienced them. I'm not sure that I am really born of God. I'm not really sure that God's spirit does live in me. And if you're not sure of that this morning, I just I invite you to to come this morning. Come forward for prayer and enter this this uh this new and better relationship that God has for you. And then for all of us, um, I want you to ask this question. Have have I really placed my trust in Jesus as the solution to all that is sinful, broken, and rebellious? Or am I looking in my heart? Or am I looking to something else to solve life for me? I think if we really understand the New Covenant... We'll know that we've we've got it all in Jesus. So the solution for all of us is to attach yourself to Christ. Attach yourself to the very things that Jesus died to give you. Let's let's bow our heads. And